0: Salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for another glorious edition of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast here on the Outlander Media Network. I am always your humble host, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, Michael Shibley, with you here. Hope you guys have had a wonderful week. My goodness, what a big week in sports that we have. Of course, we're going to talk about the fact that there might be hope at the quarterback position for my beloved Tennessee Vols. Big matchups in college football coming up this week. We'll break all of that down. Of course, MLB postseason is underway. A couple of do-or-die game fives coming up tomorrow. Big news all around in the world of professional wrestling. A lot of great ups and a lot of horrendous downs when you talk about things that were good and bad over a very historical week in the world of wrestling. And of course, the fact that the NBA obviously did not pay attention to what South Park was talking about last week. We'll break all of that down. Big controversy in geopolitical sports news and everything. That's coming up, leading off shibbles and bits in the second segment. But of course, you can check out everything with Modern Day Gladiators and all of the other great podcasts you hear on the Outlander Media Network. Wherever you get your fine podcast, Apple, Google, and at Spotify, excuse me, wow, ooh, good, a little dinner coming up there for you, sorry about that, but uh, hopefully you guys can taste uh, the great great food I had, a little uh, Ethiopian food for dinner, anyway, uh, why are we talking about that, we're talking sports, and Outlander Media, of course check them out at Apple, Google, and at Spotify, you can check out all the great podcasts there, and of course at OutlanderMedia.net, you can check out All the great podcasts as well, including, of course, Modern Day Gladiators. You've got Scared Stupid. You've got DLC Respawn. Geeks Inherited the Earth. Some great interviews from those guys. Oh, my goodness. Of course, you've got Halfle and Deadbeat Radio. All the amazing podcasts. We're taking over the podcast world. So wherever you listen, please, again, hit that subscribe button and give us those five-star reviews. That's how we get out there and help all you find people. We've got a lot more likes coming to the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page. And again, thank you guys there. But again, hit that subscribe button and those five-star reviews and comment. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you don't like. We want to hear from you. The more ratings we get, the better we can get out there and the quicker we can take over that podcasting world. And of course, you can follow me, Michael Shibley, at Michael underscore Shibley on the Modern Day Gladiators podcast Twitter feed and of course, as well, at Modern Day Gladiators on Facebook and On Instagram, we got updates and different things coming out there as well. But let's finally dive in to the world of college football. It was kind of an up and down week. We talk about college football. I mean, there are, yes, some good matchups between ranked teams. So we'll kind of break all of that down. The big I guess you could call it an upset because, again, Auburn was favored, but Florida went out and made Bo Nix look like a freshman as Florida defeated Auburn 24 to 13. It was a really, there a lot of turnovers. I think, what, seven turnovers in the game? So Auburn had their chances, but Bo Nicks made some really bad decisions that you look at a freshman quarterback, and those are some of the decisions that they're going to make. Not every freshman is going to be Tua or is going to be Lawrence. I mean, you've got guys who are still going to make freshman mistakes, and that's what happened there. Florida continuing to just win games. We talk about Tennessee kind of losing their way and don't know how to win games. Florida definitely knows how to do that, and that is setting up now a big matchup down in Baton Rouge as the number 7 ranked now Florida Gators are traveling down there. It's going to be a night game in Death Valley as the number 5-ranked LSU Tigers are waiting for them. That's going to be just an incredible atmosphere down there on the bayou. Mike the Tiger is going to be roaring. The crowd is going to have all day to get ready for things. It's just going to be an incredible matchup. And, of course, again, all these college football games, we're going to make our picks on the Friday show, so stay tuned for that one myself and Trey Pack. We finally had to kick the Georgia Bulldog guys out of their Chase Dyer and Terry Snow, of course, they won. The Georgia Bulldogs did take care of my beloved Tennessee Vols, but some things came out of that. And, of course, we'll break all of that down a lot more on the Friday show. But going in as well, some of the other big matchups that happened between ranked teams. Ohio State just dominated Michigan State 34-10. to Michigan State is just running into some problems. When you don't have an offense, that can be very problematic especially when you look at what Ohio State has done. I really, as much as I hate Ohio State and don't like them at all, they are looking really good marching through that Big Ten schedule. It's going to help that so many of these matchups are happening in the horseshoe. So we'll see what happens there. Michigan State has a tough matchup as now they travel. They were in the horseshoe. Last Saturday, this Saturday, they're traveling to Camp Randall where the students, of course, will be jumping around and they're taking on the Wisconsin Badgers who have just been mowing people over, which has been great. Big matchup, of course, coming up in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. Just one of those great traditional rivalries. You gotta love Texas versus Oklahoma, the Red River Showdown. Of course, both teams looking to take control of the Big 12 and of course this could be the first of two matchups depending on how the Big 12 race shakes out. Texas of course has played a little bit more difficult schedule. They've got that loss with LSU and Oklahoma again has also just been blowing people out but they haven't really faced a tough tough challenge yet. We'll see what happens. I think the last three times that Oklahoma has come into this game undefeated, Texas has knocked them off so that is something To keep in mind. Meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, they took care of Iowa in one of the most boring matchups you will see, 10 to 3, and all the scoring I believe happened into the first half. So for that second half, that was that was not good. But hey, Jim Harbaugh won a game. These are games, again, you've got to win. If Jim Harbaugh wants to stay in this race and stay Michigan head coach, He's probably going to have to run the table to have a shot at it. So that's the start. Meanwhile, Iowa, it doesn't get any easier for them. They are hosting Penn State. It's going to be another great atmosphere there. Of course, you're going to have the Kinnick Stadium wave, which, again, is my one of my all-time now favorite traditions in the history of college football. You'll love it. It's a great matchup. Penn State seems to have problems when they go to Iowa City, so that should be a very fun game. Watch. You've got another big traditional, you know, cross-country rivalry. I say kind of cross-country. Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, is uh hosting USC, the battle for the jeweled shillelagh one of my favorite trophies. It's the Irish War Club with emeralds for Notre Dame wind and rubies for USC wins uh screwed in to the club. Just fun to see. Of course, Notre Dame on the all-time high, USC down to their third string quarterback, of course. Clay Helton, if he wants to keep his job, win this game, and you're probably going to keep it. We'll have to see how the rest of it shapes up. So those are some of the big, big matchups. We'll break all of those down on the next episode of Modern Day Gladiators with Trey Pack. And we'll make our picks. you got to make these picks for these big games. Meanwhile, of course, Georgia, the third-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, are uh, took care of business. They came to Neyland Stadium and beat Tennessee 43-14. Though there looks to be life in the Vols' offense. Brian Maurer got the start at quarterback. The true freshman came in, and he had a great start for Tennessee. It brought life to Neyland Stadium. I will, my hat's off to the volunteer faithful. Tennessee is having some issues, and yes, there was probably more Georgia fans in the stadium than I've ever seen. It's still, Tennessee fans outnumbered them, and Neyland was feeling like Neyland for a brief couple of moments there. Uh, on the banks of the Tennessee River, as Tennessee, Maurer hit a bomb to Callaway for 73 yards. He also had a 12-yard touchdown pass to Jennings, as Tennessee was up 14-10, to and then 14-13, to with two minutes left in the game, uh, not in the game, I'm sorry, in the first half, Tennessee fans were hoping there were two minutes left in the game when this happened, but then Georgia just being, again, a contender for the national championship, Jake Fromm Unflappable. Some of these other guys are getting much more press as being top quarterbacks. But Fromm just knows how to go out there. He's very smart, studious, and wins football games. And that's what happened. In the last two minutes, Georgia scored two touchdowns and was up right before the half, 26-14. to And then they just squeezed the life out of the Vols. They scored the final 33 points of the game. And again, they defeat Tennessee 43 43- to 14 but it was wonderful to see look like energy was back with the Vols when it comes to what was happening, at least on offense. The defense still has a lot of things to work out, but it just seemed like the, it gives fans hope again because nobody really went into this game I- unless you are just got the just darkest orange rose colored glasses on. You, you had to be a realist and realize that this game was not going to just keep going Tennessee's way. Tennessee was in this game for a long time, going into the fourth quarter. Tennessee was down 15 points, 29-14, to 14, and had the ball around midfield going into the fourth quarter. So again, Tennessee was very much still in this football game. They just couldn't do anything. In the second half, we talk about Maurer and having a great overall game. I mean, he was 14 for 28, which isn't stellar by any means, but 259 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But when you look at it, he started out 10 for 17, 205 yards, and those two touchdowns. After that, he just went 4 of 11 for 54 yards and an interception. And, of course, he really got knocked out of the game. That last fumble, which, by the way, great block, by the referee on that one getting in the way, I think, of Jordan, who would have definitely tackled the Georgia d- guy. But, hey, that's what happens. The referee is part of the field. So, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, again, you see that this back end of the season, all of the games, it puts into play at least the hope. And, of course, we're going to see so much of this and what's going to happen with this hope in this Mississippi State game. Tennessee right now, it looks like Mississippi State is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a noon game in Neyland Stadium on Saturday. And we'll have to see how so much of the rest of the season and our outlook is going to ride on this Mississippi State game. Because after that, you've got the Alabama game. Just chalk that up to a slaughter. It's in Tuscaloosa, and that's just what it's going to be. But after that, you've got the back end of the season. You've got South Carolina, you've got UAB, you've got Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. If Tennessee can punch out a win against Mississippi State, and then at least not and come out of Alabama with at least every, everybody's limbs intact and healthy, you can make a run at the edge of the se- at the end of the season. Things are still open to Tennessee, and that's where again we're going to see what type of coach Jeremy Pruitt is. Now, what you're going to see, I don't think the way Tennessee's defense has been playing that Tennessee's going to blow anybody else out the rest of the way. That's Even UAB could be a close game. We'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. But Tennessee's going to have to go out there and prove it to me. I'm still probably, and of course I'll make my official pick coming up on the Friday show, but I'm probably picking Mississippi State in this game just because, again, Tennessee, now they, I don't have the benefit of the doubt with my beloved Vols Anymore, the BYU game proved that to me. Where Tennessee is going to have to, in some of these games on the back end, just prove that they can go out and win these games. They've got to remember how to win football games, and right now they're just going to have to prove it. I have it, it. That's just the way it is. The defense is going to have to clamp down, and they did that a little bit against Georgia. Where you look at some of these games, where they did hold them to field goals. Now, again, George has got, you know, Rodrigo uh, Blankenship is just going to make. He is automatic pretty much from 50 yards. I think Wes Rucker, uh, one of the uh, Tennessee beat riders, said, I wonder if <laughs> Blankenship uh, kicks with his other foot every once in a while because he's bored. I mean, the 50-yard field goal, I was like, he's going to make that. Th- there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy just doesn't miss anything like that, so but Tennessee did get a couple of wins there, and I think, again, by the end of it, they just got gassed, they just got bowled over, it showed, again, the depth and the power that Georgia has, and that's, again, where Tennessee wants to be, but it shows, again, they're not there yet, but we do have hope, and, of course, so much we can see if there's going to be more hope or a lot less hope after this Mississippi State game. Coming in. And Mississippi State, of course, has been erratic. I mean, they took care of Kentucky, but they got housed against Auburn. And, of course, they lost at home to Kansas State. So we'll have to wait and see. We don't know exactly what quarterback's coming in. So a lot of questions to still be answered. And, of course, another couple of things. You look at the AP poll and some of the things that have happened. What about that SMU comeback? They were down 30-9, to I think, at the start of the fourth quarter, there against Tulsa and they given up the longest onside kick ever where both kick returners just decided that they were not going to field the live ball that is the kickoff and the ball rolls into the end zone and a Tulsa guy just falls on it for a touchdown. It was the just one of the weirdest and dumbest plays you look at. But SMU was able to come back and win the game in overtime and stay undefeated. I think they're, what, 6-0 and for the first time since 1982, something like that, during the Pony Express days. And also hats off to Matt Rule and Baylor being ranked now at 22nd, but ranked for the first time since 2016, where uh, they had uh, fired Art Bryles, and then uh, everything just kind of happened with that so what and they had fallen down 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 as they had a a depleted roster and they had to rebuild so hats off to Baylor looking undefeated and looking dangerous they've got a good chance to add another win to that undefeated uh record that they have going into the big 12 as Texas Tech uh is coming to town and I think Baylor is going to take care of the Red Raiders so got all of that As we much as we go into October, that's when things just get ratcheted up and we've got big conference matchups coming. So I'm excited for everything coming up in college football. And again, hope. Springs eternal, as always, on Rocky Top, as now Mississippi State comes calling. But we also have, now that the calendar is to October, it's postseason baseball which I am just so pumped for. there has been great action already as the American League Division Series is heating up. Of course, the easiest road was the Yankees. I told you before the uh, playoffs even started that the Yankees were going to take care of the Twins no problem, and they did. They swept them 3-0. The Yankees are sitting pretty, waiting on the winner of the Astros and Rays Series, waiting in the American League Championship Series. The Astros as we speak, are up 2-1 to one on the Tampa Bay Rays, and you've got Verlander going on three days rest. So again, we will see how all of this is going to go. You look as we are recording this, it's the end of the first, and Tampa Bay is already up 3 nothing. So Verlander on three days rest, the Rays have gotten to him. So this is might not be really good, and you could have panic time for the team I picked to win the World Series, the Houston Astros. Could be some big issues there, so hold on to your butts, as uh, Samuel Jackson said, in Jurassic Park. We'll see if that one goes to a decided Game 5. Two games that are going to a deciding Game 5 are the Braves and Cardinals and the Dodgers and Nationals. Both those games taking place tomorrow. That's going to be just fun to watch and have on the TVs. Um, The Braves and Cardinals, Braves had it. They had a shot to win the game in regulation, and they just could not get it done. And so now the Cardinals forced the Game 5 going back to Atlanta. And I've got to favor the Cardinals because they just know how to win. Again, you talk about teams that go out there and just win games when you're supposed to win it that's the Cardinals the Braves have had such hard luck winning championships yes they won the one World Series title but they had so much going for them and they just couldn't get those wins when they needed them so I'm favoring the Cardinals in that matchup even though it's in Atlanta meanwhile the Dodgers and Nationals the Dodgers another team that just at least besides the World Series the Dodgers I have them with favoritism over the Nationals Bueller is going to do great things with the Dodgers no matter who they're pitching for the Nationals. Should be a great pitching matchup there as long as neither team goes to their bullpen. So I've got the Cardinals facing the Dodgers in the NLCS as both teams will win a decided Game 5. But of course... We will wait and see what the results come from that. And, of course, we'll update everything for you here on Modern Day Gladiators. Speaking of Modern Day Gladiators, we also have to thank the great people at Joe Shirt, JoeShirt.com. If you are wanting to expand your brand, expand your business, get your name out there, Joe Shirt can help you with that. Go to JoeShirt.com. They've got great people to help design a t-shirt. You've got a softball team. You've got... Uh, a fitness group, you've got a cycling event, you've got, even if you just want uh, a stand-up comic, like a lot of people of my friends here in Knoxville, you just need some t-shirts you want to sell and help that brand and everything, Joe Shirt can help you with that. So as always, hit up JoeShirt.com, and of course they got Joe Shirt Deluxe for all your other uh, display and visual advertising needs, including banners and mugs and pencils and pens, They can help with all that great rates, and they've been doing it for over 30 years right here in Knoxville. So if you're local here in Knoxville, check them out as well. They can get you just great rates and free shipping here in Knoxville. So you can't go wrong with that. And, of course, we've got to thank Otherworldly Coffee as well. You go to their website, otherworldlycoffee.com. Use the code OUTLANDER in all caps. I've been reminded to make mention of that in all caps Use the code OUTLANDER at checkout, and you're going to get 20% off your order that's going to cover even more than just the shipping and the taxes. It's great coffee. If you're someone who downs four Monster Energy drinks like half my coworkers seem to do, check this out. These are guys that love. They've got great coffee. It's high energy. It's awesome. You know, check out the Bigfoot blend, the Mothman blend, the Dogman blend. They got great stuff there. You can even get a sample pack of all of them if you want to try them all out. Just make sure you have a coffee grinder to get those beans ground down nice where you need them to be. So thanks again to JoeShirt.com and OtherworldlyCoffee.com. Check them both out and give thanks from your friends here at Outlander Media. We are taking a break, but we're back with some big news coming up on Shibbles and Bits Here, you're listening to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for still hanging around here on the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. It is time, as always, you hear the music, you know it's time for Shibbles and Bits. Got my stack of stuff here and all this good stuff we're going to break down. But, of course, we got to start with some huge news. And it's definitely one of these conversation things where you mix in sports with geopolitical politics and all this other stuff. And it's interesting, the irony of the fact that South Park did something very, very similar to what's going on now with the NBA and the Houston Rockets organization when it comes to relations with China. For those of you who are not in the know, which if you haven't, if you've not been, it's the only way you could do that is if you haven't been watching any news at all. There have, for the last few months, been protests going on in Hong Kong, the semi autonomous area of. Now, China, uh, again, if you don't know this at this point, uh, China, again, received Hong Kong back from the British back in the late 90s, and they've had this long-standing deal that eventually it's going to be merged in with China, but there's a lot of still different relations and a lot of different things, including the language barrier of Mandarin and Cantonese and all this other stuff that you've got going on there, But one of the things that happened over the summer was this rule that political uh, prisoners and people who could be detained would then, instead of staying in Hong Kong, be shipped to mainland China, which brought up some big issues and started a lot of these protests. And again, they are pro-democracy protests happening in Hong Kong. And what ended up happening was over the weekend... General manager of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeted, it said, Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. So again, being very pro-democracy, again, against China's communist regime that they have there. So, you talk about all of that, of course, he got a lot of flack from, it looked like Chinese bots, a lot of different things, he did take it down, apologized, and all these different things. But then, what ended up happening was... The Chinese Basketball Association has now suspended cooperation with the Houston Rockets following the tweet. And uh, because, again, Beijing's extreme sensitivity about foreign attitudes toward ongoing protests in Hong Kong. China, of course, accuses foreign parties in the US and elsewhere of encouraging the demonstrations. But, of course, China's relationship with the Houston Rockets has always been very close because Yao Ming. Has played there for so long. He was drafted by the Rockets in 2002. Was a perpetual All Star, of course, because all the Chinese (laughs) fans voted him in. But he had been there for a long time. So, in the NBA, had been making a lot of inroads into China. But then, what you see is you had uh, Daryl, or you had Westbrook and uh, James Harden the two star players for the Houston Rockets came out and talked about how much they, they love spending time in China. And also, the Rockets owner, Tillman Farida, he denounced Mori's pro-democracy tweet and talked about how he said, this is the tweet, listen, Demore does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo is all about the promotion of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. And of course, it has gone... Even further than that, as China is now not going to broadcast some of the preseason games that were going to be played there, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, of course, first came out and really, you know, again, denounced Maury's pro-democracy tweet, and then came out and said, you know, that the the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets are still planning on going to China, even though preseason games have been canceled. Uh, Silver went and said the league are apologetic over the outcome that followed, uh, but they are not apologizing for Daryl Morey exercising his freedom of expression and freedom of speech because, again, that's the big issue that, again, you had a lot of both Republicans and Democrats uniting on this, especially coming down really hard on the NBA's initial reaction of seeming to almost be very apologetic for someone for having the freedom of speech which is something we have in this country that they don't have pretty much at all in china when you look at a lot of these things i mean look Tiananmen Square was 30 years ago at this point just google Tiananmen Square look up what happened there and you can see what China does when you talk about freedom of the press and freedom of expression and everything that they do if you were someone in China and said the same thing in mainland China that Daryl Morey said You'd be in jail. You'd be in jail right now. And that's the big thing, and that's what so many people are upset about, especially with the NBA and the players involved, because the NBA, for the last few years especially, have wrapped themselves in social justice. They have been at the forefront of all of that and all the different social justice things. I mean, they even moved the All-Star game a couple of years ago out of North Carolina because of the debate and everything over the bathroom bill that they had there. Meanwhile, what's going on is they are almost seemingly bowing to the whims of China when it comes to their beliefs and everything going on with the Communist Party there because, again, there is a lot of money to be made in China. What you need to look at is this is something that happened on South Park, just last week, you look at the latest South Park episode. You can check it out, of course, on Comedy Central or streaming on Hulu or what have you. But you talk about South Park. Long story short, uh, Stan's father, Randy, went over there to help sell his, you know, in, you know, Tegrity Weed brand. <laughs> and of course, Stan was writing music about different things. But everything is subject to Chinese censorship you come out and you see these things happening where all these great movies and everything all the big Avengers movies and all this are subject to Chinese censorship because again you want the movie to air there because you want to make a whole lot more money in China and because of all of that you have this kind of big hypocrisy when you come to freedom of expression and freedom of speech, but you're still bowing to the almighty Chinese dollar when it comes to that. Now, my solution to a lot of this, if I was Adam Silver in the NBA, and again, he is trying to walk a very fine line of trying to please everyone, and I don't see that happening at this point. Because China is going to use this as, of course, a way just to prop up the Communist Party's belief. They just celebrated their 70th anniversary. You look at historical moments in Chinese history. The Communist Party has been in power for 70 years now. And you see that they're just going to use this as showing again that they're going to just prop it up and use it for propaganda and all these other things. Meanwhile, of course, the South Park episode just a- that aired there is now everything has been scrubbed in <laughs> of South Park. They're done. There's nothing at that. And of course, creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone, two of my favorite human beings on the planet, issued an faux apology, saying, "Like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. We too love money more than freedom and democracy." So, Trey Parker and Matt Stone just again know how to predict things and see how things happen my goodness going after this the nba they've got a long way to go to see what's going to happen you, you even talk about some of their other social justice things they've gotten together and banned the word owner their teams are not owned by owners anymore they're controlled by governors because apparently governors is less harmful or less racist than owner is in the grand scheme of things. We could have a whole episode talking about that, but my goodness, it's a, it's just so serendipitous about everything happening with the South Park episode and now this mess that the NBA finds itself in. And honestly, I think what, again, Adam Silver and the NBA should really do is say, we're standing by freedom of expression because that's what America is all about. You know, we talk about everything with these guys, you know, you can bash the president, you can do all those things, but we still stand for all of that because nobody gets in trouble here for bashing the president. You talk about a country where you're making all this money and yet they stand for all the social justice things that happen here in America and go up against that, yet they're completely ignoring the just massive amounts of human rights violations that's happening in China right now. Just look at the Ouija uh, Muslims out in uh, northwest China. Just look at anything happening there, putting them into camps and things like that. It's a, it's a mess and all of the, just all the human rights violations that China is responsible for. So again, you balance it out if I'm the NBA, I say, nope, this is what we're standing for. If you don't like it, we'll take it and go elsewhere. And I think the NBA has a type of game that can expand to all these other countries around the world that care a lot more about at least freedom and belief in that and freedom of speech. Compared to what China has, I think they could balance it out and make just as much money in places, again, like Japan and Europe where they can expand and and not have to worry about dealing with censorship like they would in China. Moving on to a couple of other quick news and notes here in shibbles and bits. UFC 243 happened in Melbourne, Australia over the weekend. Fifty-seven thousand plus fans saw a Nigerian born, but he is a new uh, New Zealander since he was 13. Israel Adesiana, uh or uh, Adensiana, I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. But he knocked out New Zealander. An Australian, Robert Whittaker, in three minutes, thirty-three seconds of the second round, to become the undisputed middleweight champion. Israel had uh, become—he was the—he uh, temp- uh, was the temporary champion, while uh, Whittaker got back in, and Whittaker was the lineal champion. But now, uh, Israel is now the undisputed middleweight champion. A great fight there, and of course, Israel moving to eighteen and zero. So that's looking to be very exciting. you got some big fights coming there. I'm looking really excited to everything. Uh, of course, uh, Adesanya, he uh, called out uh, Paulo Costa, likely going to be his next contender. It should be a really fun matchup. Looking forward to that one as well. And then also we had some big boxing news coming out. Of course, Triple G, uh, Gennady Golovkin, he won a... Uh, a vacant middleweight championship over the weekend in front of 12,000-plus people inside Madison Square Garden. Another raucous crowd there. He defeated Ukrainian uh, Sergei (laughs) Derevyanchenko. Again, some of these long names. I apologize. I'm trying to work that out, but at least we got it there. It was a great crowd. But again, it was... uh, Triple G won by unanimous decision... But a lot of people think that Sergini won the fight, especially even DeZone, who, of course, has all the rights to Triple G's fights, had it in uh, Sergini's favor. So we'll have to see if there's going to be a rematch with that, or is it going to end up being another fight uh, that Triple G has with Canelo down the road? What's going to be the next matchup with that? couple of other quick things before we get to the NFL Power Rankings. Look at now, this was just one of these infuriating stories that you're like, really, really? This is happening in this country when it comes to uh, people in power and children. Atlantic City Mayor Frank Gilliam, he resigned this past Thursday after pleading guilty to defrauding donors to a youth basketball club, becoming the latest city leader to run afoul of the law. He pleaded guilty. Uh, to a charge of wire fraud in U.S. District Court in Camden, New Jersey, he faces up to 20 years in prison, scheduled to be sentenced in January. He co founded the nonprofit organization called the AC Stars with a Z Basketball Club in 2011. He used more than $87,000 that he raised for the club to buy himself expensive clothing, meals, and trips. So when you look at that, this is money for youth basketball. You want to keep sports participation up in this country? You do things like this and you raise money to help them have uniforms and travel expenses and everything, but then you have a waste of food like this, someone in power just using that money for what what they want and just, again, clothes and travel and meals. You're taking money away from children. It was the bottom line of this. This, again, you put him in, in jail for as long as you can for something like this. You're the mayor of Atlantic City. You're the mayor of a city, for crying out loud. You've got power that you have, and you go out and use it like this. Just a mess. It's a horrible. Shame on you, sir. And, again, enjoy prison for a few years at least. My goodness, that's just awful to see. Meanwhile, on a lighter note, the University of Kansas had to apologize after uh, Snoop Dogg had his show at the Late Night in the Fog. You had the, these Midnight Madness events that happened at a lot of basketball hotbeds here at UT. I think they just had a couple of little scrimmages and some autograph signing, but nothing like they have in Kansas where you have, my goodness, Late Night in the Fog. It's the preseason celebration, but Snoop Dogg performed. He was wearing a Kansas jersey, 35 minutes And uh, at one point, shot a money gun full of fake $100 bills featuring his face over the team bench areas, which is almost like, hey, I'm paying the players and giving them money because you guys aren't giving them any money. Uh, And again, profanity and scantily clad women, which again, it was told that it was going to be radio edited, which it obviously was not. And this, again, is not good for Kansas, who is facing sanctions from the NCAA with their relationship with Adidas. So that, again, is not good. But again, to me, that's not on Snoop Dogg. That's on Kansas. It's like, yes, Snoop Dogg can be fun and lovable in a lot of things. I mean, the man has had a great second act in life, but it's still Snoop Dogg. There's still a lot of things... That you need to be aware of. And really, that's not on Snoop Dogg. It's on Kansas for hiring them. Know who you're hiring and check on things like that. My goodness. That's why you're not going to see Snoop Dogg. It's Super Bowl halftime show. Just not going to happen. At least at this point. They'd rather have Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Which, again, be much easier for uh, just everybody at one point to handle. So, good job Kansas. And yes, we... I don't accept your apology because you are with, again, it's Snoop Dogg. Stop it. Just stop. Shame on you for doing that. Meanwhile, moving on to the NFL Power Rankings. First, we have to say happy trails to Jay Gruden, who was fired by the god-awful Washington Redskins at 0-5. It's just been a bad start to the season. You've got, of course, conflicts with ownership the Redskins have been a dumpster fire for so long. It's been so awful. Jay Gruden apparently did not want to draft Haskins. And of course, now he's refused to pretty much play him. We'll see what happens, of course, going to the rest of the season. But again, it's a dumpster fire in Washington. They're going to be competing with the Dolphins uh, for who's got the worst record in the NFL and who's going to get and be on the clock probably in the sweepstakes going forward. Meanwhile, my NFL power rankings as, of course, we had great NFL action all week. The New England Patriots, I've still got holding steady at number one, just taking care of business and not having to worry about anything, beating up on the poor Washington Redskins. The New Orleans Saints, I've got them now up to number two. My goodness, just what a great thing that Teddy Bridgewater has been able to do to keep everything going just perfectly strong. They're in the absence of Drew Brees, so I'm looking forward to seeing how far they can go and what's going to happen when Drew Brees does come back from injury. Of course, you got to knock the Chiefs down for losing at home on Sunday night football to the Indianapolis Colts. Again, that's going to raise some questions. Is something wrong? Now, the the Chiefs are having some problems on defense. They're also not running the ball very well, so what's going to happen with them? The Green Bay Packers have just looked better and better as everything just keeps going. Hats off to the Packers. They destroyed the Cowboys and did not make the Cowboys look very good at all. I've got the Seattle Seahawks. They're starting to play better defense, which is great to see. And of course, they're doing great on offense as well. It's so much fun to see them, even though I am a San Francisco 49ers fan. It's good to see other teams other than the Rams out there doing well in the NFC West. I've got them my 49ers right behind the Seahawks right now again they're 4-0 they are running the football as much as a pass happy league as the NFL has become the 49ers are doing a great job going back to running the football without a whole lot of stars on that of course the Niners haven't really played anybody so we'll have to see where all of this goes as they start to play their division opponents the Rams and the Seahawks. I've got the Rams, who have had a couple of just tough losses here. We'll see if they're going to be able to bounce back, or are they just going to keep sliding like a lot of Super Bowl runner-ups do. I've got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cowboys behind them. The Buffalo Bills still hanging around. Again, the Titans, what a mess that was. They should have... Loss, but again, the Bills finding a way to win and scoring late, especially when the Titans are going 0-4 on field goals. Ooh, that is not good. Rounding out my top 12, I've got the Ravens, and then I've got the Houston Texans still hanging on. I've got them in front of the Bears and the Vikings as of these rankings. That's going to wrap up Shibbles and Bits, and let's just dive in to the world of professional wrestling again. Just what a crazy, historic week of wrestling. We talked about it a little bit, of course, on last week's show, but AEW Dynamite started. They had a very strong debut. They had a surprise appearance at the end. Jack Hager, who used to um, be—or Jake Hager, I'm sorry. He was Jack Swagger in the WWE, but it looks like he has now joined Chris Jericho's heel faction in AEW, so this could be a really good faction warfare between the guys in the Elite and Chris Jericho's faction. Looking forward to seeing where they go with that. Again, there's still some production issues and stuff that I can question and stuff they're still going to need to work out. I still think this is only their sixth ever aired show, so... We'll see how it goes. We've got a lot of the tag team uh, title tournament going. And, of course, congratulations to Riho for winning the inaugural women's championship over Nyla Rose there. So that's great. NXT also had a very solid show as well. Great match to start it with Adam Cole defeating Matt Riddle. But then you also had, coming back to NXT, two big surprises. You had Finn Balor, and you also had Tommaso Ciampa. They're both eyeing the NXT championship. So again, just great matches coming, as NXT is still my favorite brand right now in the WWE. But when you talk about numbers, at least to start with, AEW surpassed expectations. People were projecting about 650,000 people watching the show. It started off with 1.5 million, so they more than doubled the projection, which looks great for them going forward. Now, are they going to be able to keep it, or are they going to backslide just a little bit as we see what happens? It was the second highest rated show on Wednesday night in cable, the only The thing that beat it was the Major League Baseball playoff games, so that was awesome to see. Meanwhile, NXT was about 11th. They only had about 900,000 people watching that episode, so we'll see where all this shakes out as the start of the Wednesday Night Wars goes on. Meanwhile, SmackDown had almost 4 million people watching, which is way up from the ratings they had on USA. Of course, this has been hyped for a long, long time, their debut on Fox. And of course, it saw Brock Lesnar defeating Kofi Kingston in 6 seconds, which was kind of disappointing because, again, Kofi, yes, you might not have seen that the title reign was very strong, but it was still something... I wanted to see for more than 6 seconds, but again, all the time constraint. They had so much stuff packed in for 2 hours, you almost wanted SmackDown to be 3 hours because of all the things they wanted to do during this debut. Of course, you had The Rock show up at the beginning and have a great thing with Becky Lynch and Baron Corbin. But then you also had a couple of things that's going to keep mainstream news, keeping an eye on everything. Of course, you had Tyson Fury was angry with Braun Strowman. That Feud kind of continued on Raw. We'll see. That's probably going to happen at the Saudi Arabia show. Who the hell knows at this point? Then you also had Cain Velasquez, who debuted, and he has taken umbrage with Brock Lesnar beating the tar out of Rey Mysterio and Rey's son, Dominic the previous uh, week on Raw. So Cain Velasquez, of course, those of you who don't know, legitimately beat Brock Lesnar in the UFC for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. We'll have to see where that goes. Cain Velasquez has done some professional wrestling, especially down in AAA in Mexico, so we'll see what type of storyline that's going to be, but I'm excited to at least see it and bring some more eyeballs to everything. Then, you had Hell in a Cell that happened on Sunday. Of course, you had at least one new championship change hands, even though it's barely talked about. But Kyrie Sane and Asuka looks like they turned heel, defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the women's tag team championships. Asuka now has the green mist that guys like Tajiri and the great Muda uh, had in the West. So we'll see where that goes. They also, of course, def- rolled up Becky Lynch. And Charlotte Flair last night on Raw using the mist, so we'll see where that all goes. But of course, the biggest thing was the Hell in a Cell match, the main event between Seth Rollins and The Fiend Bray Wyatt, ending in a DQ. It's a Hell in a Cell match, to the cage, and it ends in a disqualification. I know the official spin was that the referee stopped it, which you're not also supposed to do in a Hell in a Cell. It's supposed to only be won by pinfall or submission. So the fact that that happened was really upsetting. Seth Rollins, I think, you know, tried everything to fight off the monster, the horror show monster that was Bray Wyatt the Fiend, as Bray Wyatt pretty much neutered the curb stomp as a finishing move because he kept kicking out at one. And then all the other chairs and mallets and hammers and all this other stuff that was used, and he couldn't stop Bray Wyatt, so the referee stopped it which the crowd was not happy with. The crowd was furious by the end of it. You could hear chants of AEW through the airways, which was not what the WWE wanted to have. I said they needed to pull the trigger on the fiend Bray Wyatt and put the belt on him for something like this, and they just refused to do it. If you back yourself into a terrible corner with stupid booking decisions like this, then why have it in Hell in a Cell? I know you have the stupid gimmicked pay-per-view coming up, but my goodness, that was just awful. It, it, it's infuriating. It's It's just infuriating. It's stupid. And then the fact that they did nothing to mention it uh the next night on raw that was not mentioned at all so it's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to do with that they did seth rollins and the fiend bray Wyatt, neither of them were there at all they didn't even show up on the show we'll have to see if they just kind of did this as a placeholder because the uh wwe draft is happening uh on friday on SmackDown, and then on Monday on Raw, so we'll have to see where some of these superstars are going to go, but my goodness, just what an awful ending, and the fact that you didn't even, you're just trying to ignore that it didn't happen, makes it even worse, so again, the fact that the crowd rightfully was chanting for AEW, we'll see where that goes, and see how AEW responds, if they come out with a great tag tournament, and more people start watching Dynamite, then is gonna learn their lesson eventually, one would think so we'll just have to wait and see thank you guys again for listening here to modern day gladiators that is it for this week of course we're going to break more down of course on the big friday show when it comes to college football and my beloved tennessee vols but until then too sweet love you see you next time